There's no North Star. There's no right way. There's only your way. And that is terrifying and liberating all at the same moment. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. So I can play two songs on the guitar. One is a relic from my high school and college days, and that's Crash by Dave Matthews. The other is much more meaningful. It serves as a tribute to my mom and has also been a moving song for me at certain times in my life. And that's Blackbird by the Beatles. It was written by Paul McCartney as a hopeful essay on the civil rights movement and ending segregation in America. But it's also had many other meanings and inspiration for me at different times in my life. From the very moment my mom pulled away from me in my freshman college dorm, to more recently just watching my daughter work up to her first steps. Take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life. You're only waiting for this moment to arise. Blackbird, fly into the light of a dark black night. To me, it has always symbolized that moment when everything in our world, our life, our mind, our heart, our body, are telling us it is time to trust. Trust ourselves. Take these broken wings and leap into the night. Sometimes we're so caught up in this cycle that what we're going through is simply happening to us. That we're helpless twigs in the stream of life. And all misfortune is just bad luck. But in that view, we miss the greater opportunity. What if this is the moment we've been waiting for? The clearing, the opening, the chance to truly let go of the choices and behaviors we've outgrown. What if this is the moment to take the broken wings and be free? Hey again, this is Dan Putt from Reboot. And when I heard Mary Lemmer's conversation with Jerry, which is today's podcast, I immediately thought of Blackbird. Mary's a listener and she became a guest. She came on to share her emotional story of seemingly everything working against her. Her body giving in, her relationship ending, her business coming apart, and losing her dad's approval, all in a very short period of time, physically and emotionally. These were painful experiences for Mary. And yet, what if they were exactly what she needs? What if this is the moment she was waiting for? A Reboot Circle is a hand-selected group of peers in matching roles who meet in supportive, Reboot Coach-facilitated sessions twice a month. We just recently started accepting applications for new roles, including Head of Product, CTO, People Ops, and VP of Marketing groups. And this is for the very first time. So what are these groups really like? We asked a current member to share his experience with Reboot Coach and Facilitator, Andy Chrisinger. Hi, my name is Bobby Brannigan. I'm co-founder and CEO at Mercado. One of the biggest challenges that I've faced as an entrepreneur has been navigating the waters of solving hard problems while under extreme stress. You can't be open and honest with everyone about your business, right? Because you don't want to scare people away. You don't want to get people nervous because that's going to affect their ability to do what they have to do. At the same time, you know, there's not a lot of people that actually could relate to these situations. So having a group you could turn to is extremely beneficial and allows you 
not only to spend more time thinking about these issues and how to better solve them, but hearing yourself explain them out loud and getting people to question different routes that you might think about taking and, and that kind of stuff is invaluable. It's been great to have that group to really think in a much deeper sense with people that are sharing the same challenge and they're really trying to grow and really get out of that comfort zone just as I am. That's been really excellent for me. So who do you turn to? What if you had a community of peers who are committed to supporting you in solving your greatest business challenges? A group that knows intimately the very challenges you face every single day in your role. A group you knew you could always count on. There is great power in knowing you are not alone. Learn more about Reboot Circles and apply for a group in your role at reboot.io slash circles. You do not have to be a fire for every mountain blocking you. You could be a water and soft river your way to freedom too. That's Nayira Wahid, a poet. Hey, Mary, thank you so much for coming on and joining us on the podcast here. And normally when we do this, I do this over Skype and uh, I'm working with someone um, and I'm looking at them, right, in the video. But today we're in the same room together. So enough of the programming note. Mary, tell us who you are. Thanks, Jerry, and thanks for having me. Um, It's great to be here in person as well and meet uh, Reboot, uh, the team who's been so instrumental in my life. Mm -hmm. So I'm Mary, and my quick story is I'm labeled as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And since I was 13 years old and started Mm -hmm. a gelato business and then got into more high-tech ventures, led me to venture capital Mm -hmm. for a few years, and then later SoFi, and then most recently started a company called Foodscape, uh, which helps people grow and share food with their communities. And I learned about Reboot from a friend who recommended I listen to it when I was going through a hard time. And listening to the podcast really helped me through my own struggles. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the guests inspired me to reach out to reboot, and that's what led me here today. And what guest was that? Zoe Weintraub. Oh, yeah. Zoe and her superpower. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a super person. She is a super person. And uh, Zoe was also someone who was a listener who um, really, I think she wrote in with a question, which was, you know, um, what is my superpower? Which then led to... Interesting, I don't know if you know this connection, because we were talking before the recording began that Zoe introduced you to Kent. Yes. And Kent, who's also a guest, and Kent's emailed question was, do I even have a superpower? <laughs> um, so it's kind of it's sweet how the larger community that is now forming around some of these topics are really helping themselves. And that's really, uh, really important. So... So you kind of found the podcast um, at a time when things were kind of tough. Yes. Would it be helpful to talk through that? Yeah, I think it'd be really helpful. Um, Starting in July, on my birthday actually, July 4th, I was on a hiking trip. And on the way back down with five miles left to go, 
I slipped on the trail and fell on a broken redwood tree and busted my knee, um, was in a lot of pain and felt myself about to pass out. And mm. I told the person that I was with that I was going to pass out. Mm. So I sat there and the next thing I knew, I wake up conscious and his finger is in my mouth. Mm. And I was like, what happened? Mm. You know, what, what's going on? And he said, you didn't just pass out, you had a seizure. Oh my, so he had his fingers in your mouth to keep you from biting your tongue. Exactly, I was yeah. convulsing and biting my tongue. Mm. And um, and so I laid there, drank some water for a bit, and then we walked slowly down the mountain. And that was just the beginning. Um, mm. to, to summarize, like two days later, mm. that guy who was with me, he was my boyfriend at the time, and I broke up. Um, and we two lived, days later. Two days later. And uh, we had been living together, and we were in a serious relationship. And then um, that same week, I burnt my hand pretty significantly. I was borrowing a friend's car that got hit while it was parked. And then the following week, I get a call from my family that my grandmother has been having strokes and has been in and out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'm kind of like a zombie, just all this stuff happening in my life in a very short order. And I went to Michigan to spend some time with my family and things with my business, I, I really didn't make much progress because this I was This was Foodscape at the time? Foodscape at the mm-hmm. time. And mm-hmm. I just was in this holding pattern of I didn't really feel like my mind was in any place to make any progress. And I was really negative about everything. And I mm-hmm. just was like, what's the purpose of this? Like, this isn't working. That's not working. Um, and then I came back to San Francisco and was invited to this Marketplace Founder event that Greylock puts on. And it's a kind of off-the-record. They bring in, they brought in one of the founders of Uber. Mm-hmm. Reed Hoffman was there, Peter Thiel, and mm-hmm. um, Joe Gebbia of Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And I almost didn't go to this event because I was, in, I was in a really place where I didn't want to be around people. But I went, and I'm really glad I did because Joe of Airbnb read a letter to himself. Um, mm. that he wished he would have had, you know, four years ago or seven mm. years ago whenever they started Airbnb. And he was very vulnerable and shared some of the struggles. And it helped me realize, at least temporarily, that these struggles are real and I wasn't alone. And right. my feeling of loneliness started to lift a little bit. Right. Um, until the next month where I was having severe abdominal pain. Mm. And I remember being in San Jose for an urban farm happy hour and at the Caltrain station afterwards, waiting for my Caltrain, doubled over in pain. And I hadn't been in this much pain since I had my appendicitis Mm. several years ago. And I knew my appendix was already out, so it couldn't be that. And so I'm on the Caltrain in severe pain and trying to tell myself that I should probably go to the hospital, but also realizing that I had very poor health insurance at the time, because mm-hmm. as many entrepreneurs probably can relate to, there's not a ton of options, mm-hmm. um, and they're either very expensive or um, not that great. And so, and I'm a very healthy person, so I wasn't thinking I would need great health insurance. And so I didn't go to the hospital. I said, I'll sleep it off. I'll be fine in the morning. I'll go to the doctor in the morning and just pay the copay. So I went to the doctor the next day. I felt a little bit better. And the doctor told me that she thought that I had a ruptured cyst. Oh, geez. And so I had to immediately go get exam for that. And sure enough, I did. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about that was that, A, they were able to identify it. And, B, 
um, it was something that would just take care of itself. But the thing that wasn't resolved is like, why did this happen? Um, And so that was tough. So like my health wasn't a good place. I was very fatigued. I was feeling depressed. I had this business that I just didn't really know what to do with. And I had this, I had to almost force myself to like get up out of the mor- up in the morning to do the things that I knew I needed to do. And I put myself, I decided in November to put myself um, in this, what I call state of delusion mm-hmm. and tell myself, okay, from November to this date in January, I'm not going to worry about mm. um, whether this business is, is going to work or not and whether the margins are right or if this is, if I can raise a ton of money for this or whatever. And I'm just going to, do the things I know I need to do to get people to sign up and mm-hmm. execute this product that we needed to launch. And so I did that and um, it went pretty well and we had great reception. We had great traction and I pulled myself out in January and looked at the reality of the situation. I looked at my health. I looked at uh, where we were with the business. Mm-hmm. I looked at you know the potential going forward and um made a tough decision to what I compared to pulling a nail out of my head and mm-hmm. uh, deciding to not go raise more money for mm-hmm. it. Because even though we had uh, unit profitability and had people interested in this, the the picture of like, what does this look like two years from now or five years from now was never a place where the business model and the margins could support actually making this profitable. And you know, I come from the world of high growth, high tech, but also come from the world of, you know, building a gelato business that is profitable in year one. Right. A, a sort of classic bootstrap Midwestern. Yes. I'm starting, you know, as a Brooklynite, I'm starting <laughs> to understand you Midwesterners, <laughs> which is, you know, there's a kind of feet on the ground touching into reality that you guys have, which is, hey. Forget about what headlines we may be able to generate mm-hmm. or even how much money we could raise. Is this a business? Yes. And it sounds like you're coming to the conclusion that it's not a business or there wasn't a business. Yeah. In, it, in that incarnation. Yeah. And that, um, and I've been kind of grinding at it for 18 months and realizing that, you know, I, if I spent another 18 months at it, what mm-hmm. would happen to my health? Because mm-hmm. a lot of the health issues I was having are related to stress. Mm-hmm. Like stress is a really powerful force in our lives. And some people's bodies handle, handle stress differently. Mm-hmm. You know, my stress has put me in a place where I, you know, I have stuff that I need to take care of. Or 10 years from now, I could be in a place that I'm not going to want to be. Whether it's Did they ever find out the reason behind the cyst? So they had some theories about it. I had to wait to go <laughs> to the doctor until I changed my health insurance um, because I paid for all those tests out of pocket. And so I waited till January. Then my doctor left the practice. So I had to find a new doctor and finally was able to get the test done. And uh, they diagnosed me with hypothyroidism, mm-hmm. which means my thyroid is low, which is what changed my metabolism, which caused the depression, which caused the fatigue, mm-hmm. um, which... Um, is related to hormonal imbalance. Mm-hmm. So my hormones aren't at the right level. Mm-hmm. They're still trying to figure out what's going on. I have some abnormal kidney levels, so mm. they're figuring this out. Mm. Um, all stuff that I can't just mentally 
think away. It, yeah. It's there and I have to deal with it. Yeah. And it's hard to prioritize your health when you're trying to prioritize a company. Yeah. So, you know, a recent podcast with a British guy named Richard Hughes-Jones, we were talking about his encounter with cancer. And there's a line in there that I was particularly proud of, which was, you can't think your way out of a life-threatening illness. I remember that podcast mm. because it aired the week that I found out about this. Oh. And as I was mentioning to Dan earlier, it's eerie to me how the timing of the podcasts are mm. so aligned with whatever is going on in my own life. And we do that purposely. <laughs> I could, I, I could, he said there's no planning around that. I think I'm like, you guys have ESP or something. <laughs> so there is, and you're feeling a direct relationship between the condition, the hypothyroidism, and the, the, let's call it the activation of the hypothyroidism and stress. Mm-hmm. Is there a relationship between those yeah. two? Um, they, you know, they suppose that it could be that my adrenals mm-hmm. were, you know, were producing, which can affect your hormones, because your hormones have to, like, overproduce for mm-hmm. something, and the whole like fight or flight or fight mm-hmm. um, that goes on inside mm-hmm. of us, and because I'm I'm the healthiest person I know. If you ask any of my friends, like Mary eats super healthy, mm-hmm. she exercises. Gelato, notwithstanding. Yeah, like well, you know, <laughs> I can't even eat gelato because I'm lactose mm-hmm. intolerant, mm-hmm. and um, and so or I can't. I just would get sick, mm-hmm. and so that really surprised me that stress. Like, was it because I had this underlying stress in my yeah. life and with everything that happened and everything I was dealing with, mm-hmm. just added to that, added, mm-hmm. you have a baseline stress when you're starting a company, there's a ton of stuff that happens you have to deal with. And then life still goes on. And I had all these things happen in my life and I just really didn't know what to do mm-hmm. with myself. And for the first time I let myself feel and feel sad because I grew up in a, an environment where be tough, like don't cry, you, yeah. you'll be okay. Yeah. And yeah. I was a competitive horseback rider. It was like fall off the yeah. horse, you get back on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found myself just wanting to cry for no apparent reason. And that was frustrating to me mm-hmm. because I was like, I'm fine. Like everything's fine. I'll be okay. But yet I wanted to be crying all the time. And I thought, what's wrong with me? Like what's going on? Why can't I just push myself through this? Like everything else I've been able to push mm-hmm. myself through in life. Mm-hmm. But at some point, it gets to be, you know, you have to let yourself feel and feel sadness in order to heal. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I lost a little bit of my identity, I think, mm-hmm. through you know, a lot of this because, you know, I lost someone who was really close to me in my life. And then... Who was that? My ex-boyfriend. And mm-hmm. then I lost my, um, you know, feeling and feeling like I was kind of in control of my health mm-hmm. and that things were going really well. And then I lost what I thought was going to be a great business mm-hmm. because of facing reality. Mm-hmm. And, and I, it's all right. Just take your time. And I feel like I lost my relationship with my dad through a lot of this. What happened there? I went home in January after the holidays and after I had pulled myself out of my state of delusion. Mm. 
And I was home for three weeks. Saw my dad a few times during that time. And one of those times, he told me that I was a disappointment to him. Um, for basically not having the same beliefs that he does mm. when it comes to religion. Mm. And I was raised in a Catholic household. I went to Catholic high school, and I don't go to Mass every weekend. You know, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not living the life that my dad wants me to live. Mm. And to hear him verbally express that and tell me, like, those words, like, you're a disappointment, just, like, have haunt, they haunt me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go through these, like, mental cycles of feeling like I'm disappointing people in my life. Mm-hmm. I disappointed my investors. You know, I disappoint my friends every time I cho- choose to, you know, do something work-related, then hang out with them. I just feel like, and now I've disappointed my dad. And that that's like a hard weight to carry yeah it's a really hard weight to carry it's a really hard weight to carry Hmm. it's been quite a year (laughs) yeah So just take a deep breath and just feel it. What would be helpful for you right now? Right now. What would be helpful to spend some time with? I feel like I've been floundering mm-hmm. and just over the past several months trying to make you know had to make some big decisions Mm -hmm. and now at a point where I you know I have people look at me a certain way and they label me as you know this entrepreneur and I'm like really confused about what that means and what Mm -hmm. that means for me and uh in this position where I have things in my life that are working and you know, people will be like, why don't you just go like do the gelato business and mm. do that because that's mm. working. Mm. And, uh, and I, I'm, I think I'm struggling to find purpose again mm-hmm. because I had this purpose when I started foodscape and I had this big vision and I was like so driven to work on this because of the purpose that I believed in mm-hmm. And throughout all the hits that I've gotten over the past 18 months, um, and and especially with you know the mental part of it, and just feeling like I can't, I can't, I feel like I've lost purpose, mm-hmm. and I have been going through a process of trying to find that again because I know when I have purpose, mm-hmm. I'm like I can set the world on fire, mm-hmm. and right now I just mm-hmm. am struggling to find that. Mm-hmm. So it'd be helpful to to help find purpose again. Mm -hmm. So before we end, we'll circle back to that question. Okay. But uh, I think it would be really helpful to go back in time a little bit. I'm thinking back to falling off the mountain, which 
in the experience of telling the story. Uh, it's kind of like a starting point, if you will. Does that yeah, resonate with you? Definitely. So I have a little story I, I would tell you. 2007 and 2008 were tough years for me. Tough and interesting. Um, training to be a coach, I was uh, doing a lot of exploration on my own. I'd gone on a number of different retreats with different teachers and all. And uh, I was also kind of crazy. And I did this trip where I crossed the ice cap in Greenland, the polar ice cap in Greenland. 50 below zero every night, um, camping, um, skiing. And a couple of days out, four of us were skiing across in, in this sort of blinding snowstorm. And I crossed what turned out to be an ice bridge, and it collapsed. And I was pulling about 200 pounds behind me, and I fell in a crevasse. And it took them about two hours to find me and pull me out, okay? And I really busted up my hip, and I had to uh, take an eight-hour snowmobile trip to be airlifted out to Iceland. A couple of months later, I found myself on a retreat with a group called Animus Valley Institute. And I'd really felt like um, the shit had been kicked out of me. And I couldn't understand what was going on. So you're nodding. You know that feeling, mm -hmm. right? And one of the guides on that retreat said to me, remember when the earth pulled you in? And I said, what? You know, when the earth got your attention by dragging you into the crevasse? Yeah, now you're smiling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes... Life um, has this way of kind of slapping us up against, you know, slapping us up against the head with a two by four. And, you know, another way, another expression of this, and, you know, those who listen to the podcast know I often think of this quote from Parker Palmer's book, Let Your Life Speak, where Parker is talking about what his therapist said to him when they were talking about his depression. So Parker's therapist said to him, Parker, is it possible for you not to see that your depression is the hand of an enemy, mm -hmm. but the hand of a friend forcing you down to the ground? Okay, now you're smiling. Yeah. Okay. Now, I'm not a Pollyanna, sugarcoating, see-the-silver-lining kind of person. In fact, I'm probably a little too dark in life. But... But this last year, this last year might also turn out to be the year in which you are really asked a much deeper question of yourself, which is, who the fuck am I? <laughs> yeah. Right? Let's go back to that question around purpose for a moment. Right, Jerry, what was the phrase you use when you have purpose you're on fire, did you say? Yeah. Okay. I can set the world on fire. Why? 
What does having purpose do for you? It like provides like a north star, like mm. a reason for doing for running through walls, a reason for putting two hundred percent into whatever I do. What does it do? What is, what is a north star? It's a yeah, it's you're a direction. Looking up. Yeah, you're I'm looking like looking up. up into the right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, it's a direction. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, uh, it provides this, like, the, I'm doing this to get there. Yeah. There's like a, there's a So you're a pointing path. your chest and yeah. then you're looking up yeah. and you're pointing up. So the, so, the, so it's a path for you to get to someplace else. Yeah, a path forward. Okay. What was the purpose in the gelato store? Uh, to bring gelato to Michigan because I couldn't get it there as a kid. Okay. What was the purpose for Foodscape? Um, to improve access to fresh and healthy food for people, help them grow nutritious food. Why is it so painful to know that your father doesn't approve of your choices in life? Stay with it. I've just always wanted to make him proud. Right. It's an incredibly human and understanding feeling. But his pride in you is like the North Star, isn't it? It drives you. Yeah. And when you lose sight of that North Star, you feel lost. So, when the earth knocked you on your ass and sent you tumbling down the mountain and you ended a relationship, which I can pretty much guess wasn't working if it ended two days after an accident, yeah, it wasn't really working, was it? No. No. So when the earth got your attention and said, Mary, this life you're leading is a little off. Yeah. When your thyroid gripped you by the neck and said, or rather, by the gut, (laughs) right? Yeah. And said, Mary, you're working so hard to get Dad's approval, and it doesn't work. And here you are. What do I do, right? What do I do, Jerry? What if what you are looking for isn't outside of you? And then I have to find it on the inside. Yeah. What if this purpose isn't about the people of Michigan? What if the sadness that you feel in your father's Ill judgment of you is something to feel and let go of. What if part of your purpose is figuring out who Mary is, regardless of those external North Stars? Maybe. I mean, I could be wrong. No, I think, I think 
you're spot on. And I was um, listening to something recently which talked about how, you know, we are not our body, mm-hmm. we, but we still have our body. Like, we are not what we do, but we still do what we do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, who are we and how do mm-hmm. we define ourselves? Mm-hmm. And, and I think there's, like, a lot of things that I would describe myself as that don't revolve around what I do. Right. But yet that's not always what people see. That's right. That's right. You know, I was raised a Catholic as well. And uh, like a lot of good Catholics, I became an anti-Catholic. Because <laughs> <laughs> we always have a very complicated relationship. And as I've gotten older and become a little bit more in touch with my innate spirituality, I have come to appreciate so much of the beauty of Christianity, which is different than the religions. And one of the most troubling aspects of Buddhism for me, another quick story. Many people know that one of my earliest teachers is Ani Pema Chodron, who just turned 80. And um, when I first met uh, Pema Chodron, I was, at, uh, I was at Lou Reed and Laurie Anderson's apartment in Lower Manhattan. It's like this weird little event where all these sort of, the, the Buddhist mafia of New York was hanging out. And I was a fundraiser and Ani Pema comes in and she starts teaching on the nature of groundlessness. And I'm sort of sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. All things fall apart all the time. Everything is impermanent. Everything is uncertain. I got it. I got it. And she says, and some of you are now sitting there saying, I got it. I got it. I fully understand it. Except that your understanding of impermanence is itself impermanent. And I blurt out, well, that's not fair. (laughs) And she looks at me, and she goes, Catholic, right? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Because what she knew that I was doing, was I was looking for the catechism. I was looking for the dogma. Mm -hmm. I was looking for the external source that was going to tie it all together in a grand unified theory of everything so I didn't have to worry anymore. You're nodding. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you want like having the answers. Just tell me the answer. Yeah. Because we did really well in school, didn't we? Yeah. Because we very early on, usually day one, we figured out how to give the teacher what the teacher wanted. Yep. <laughs> right? Yes. And then we got our A, and then mom and dad were proud of her. Yep. Right? And then we go forward. Okay? And then I was confronted with the god-awful reality of Buddhism, which is also known as the pathless path. What the fuck? <laughs> you mean I have to figure this out myself? There's no path. There is no path? There's no external path? There's no north star? There's no North Star. There's no right way. There's only your way. And that is terrifying and liberating all at the same moment. Most things that are exciting and liberating are also terrifying. That's right. That's right. So I could be wrong here, but I'm not. (laughs) I don't think you are. Right. When we build our companies for a purpose that's outside of us, 
when we try to define our life and our self-worth for someone who's outside of us, we lead to adrenal stress and collapse. I know from what I speak, my doctor did not like my adrenal stress index last December. I know. Maybe this is your body saying, Mary, a different way. Not that the way that you've been has been wrong, but it's not your path. Not that foodscape is wrong, but the why. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's... Like you said, liberating and terrifying because recognizing that maybe that's not your path is one thing, but then feeling pathless mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is frightening mm-hmm. and feels really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I definitely do things to try to, you know, rid myself of fear of the unknown and. You're such a human being. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's just, it's hard. It's yeah. hard to not know. It's hard to have questions about yourself and what path is right because there are so many different paths. Yeah. And at a point where, you know, you've always been kind of going down a certain path. And so you know that path and you know what's comfortable or not comfortable about that path. And yeah. That change is hard. Yeah. Yeah. So the uncertainty is hard, right? The not knowing is hard, right? The, the, the fear that the path that I choose might be the wrong path. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. What if I make a mistake? Yeah. What if I go down this path and it turns out to be painful? What if I go down this path and it turns out that my father, someone whose approval meant so much to me, Disapproves. What if, what if, what if? Let me then choose the path that seems the right path. And then the earth opens up and grabs you and pulls you down. Or the hand of a friend rests on your head and says, sit still. The choices you have made made sense at the time, but no longer makes sense. And it's time for new choices. Choices that come not from some guidance of a star in a particular direction, but choices that come from within, that are guided by who are you. Here's this incredible woman with a broken open heart, who's wicked smart, I can tell that, who's incredibly skilled, who finds ways to gather people around her, whether it's Zoe or Kent or think of all the people who marry, I'll walk through walls for you, right? All those people that you worry so much about disappointing, they don't give a shit. So whether or not you disappoint them, because you give them an opportunity to show their love for you. 
So you, that's, that's this woman who presents herself to me today. And she gathers all this together, and she sits, and she hangs out with the unknown. Another quick little story? Yeah. So I loved Mad Men. And one of my favorite scenes in Mad Men is towards the very end, Peggy, who started off by working for Don, ends up being Don's boss. And at one point in a, you know, towards the very the season finale, she, she, she's really upset about something. And she says, Don, well, what do I do? What do I do? And he looks at her and he says, welcome to the not knowing. Welcome to the not knowing. All those people out there who pretend that they have it figured out, they're bullshitting. They don't know either. They don't know either. You know, as Sharon Salzberg and I talked about in one of the podcast episodes, every single day we make up this shit. And that is life. And if you go back and you read Jesus' teachings, that's what he's talking about. I'm not talking about the people who interpreted his teachings. The frail, infallible humans. Or fallible humans. I'm talking about the source. Nowhere in there do I hear his words saying something like, and ye shall, if ye shall disappoint by failing to launch your startup, ye shall be cast into hell. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's not the God of love. No. That's not the God of peace. That's not the God that I would want to believe in. That's not the God that, that any, that is, that just, that's just not the divine. That's not what the divine says to us. Right. Right. So, I think that the, the challenge is that you have the unenviable choice or task to kind of figure it out yourself. And... Uh, Having found myself in the same place many times, I appreciate and empathize with the fact that it sucks. But I will tell you, as an older person, the other side of that rocks. It's just getting there. Yeah. And, you know, purpose, finding the purpose isn't a function of the thing, and that's the thing, and that's it. For me, it's been a, a constant reinforcement of a way to be. You know, I have tremendous pressures in my life. I disappoint people all the time. I do and say things around which that I am embarrassed and ashamed. And I have learned that when I pretend that I don't do those things, I make my life worse. One, one, Sharon, whom I mentioned before, I remember her giving me a tremendous gift in a moment of struggle just about a year ago. 
we were working together one day and she said, I want you to go back and reread Loving Kindness. Now, Loving Kindness is one of her books and that's your homework assignment, is to read Loving Kindness by Sharon Salzberg. But very specifically, she said, I want you to read the chapter, the section on the difference between guilt and regret. Okay? Guilt is a trick of the ego. Guilt leads our focus back to ourselves. We tell ourselves that we worry about disappointing and hurting the other. But really, what is it that we're feeling? What did you feel when your father said, Mary, you're a disappointment? Think about the guilt. Lots of guilt. Right? And a little shame. And shame. Okay. For another podcast, for another session, we'll work with his issue. <laughs> okay. But leaving that aside for a moment, in that moment, when that sort of thing happens to me, I start to tally up all the horrible things that I have done. When the shame comes in, you're nodding, so yeah. you know, right? And yeah. you say, look at what a horrible person I am, okay? And so all of a sudden, the focus becomes back on you. Now, the more liberating path is the regret. Are there things that I have done in my life that I regret? Absolutely. Regret is forward-looking. Because I hold that as a teaching. Can I do better? Yeah, I can do better. Guilt, with its attendant shame, locks it away and disables me from learning from the negative experience, from the painful experience. Regret allows me to grow. And every day, every day, I try just a little bit more to be a better human. And sometimes I fail. And that process takes me out of the existential narcissistic trap that my depression will drag me into. Yeah. Does this resonate? Yeah, it really does. So the task, again, is but it's before you may be hard. But the gold at the end of that rainbow is you. A pure, authentic, broken-hearted human being. Capable of joy, capable of sadness, capable of anger capable of great things and small things. That's what's there. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. I've, you know, I've definitely been that before. Mm-hmm. And it's just rediscovering and, mm-hmm. and not worrying so much about the guilt and the, mm-hmm. the shame that I feel. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should not act from a state of guilt and act from a state of Understanding that it's pathless, like I am who I am. Yes. And who was the most famous person to say, I am who I am? Oh my goodness. Popeye. Popeye, that's right. I am what I am. That's right. I do eat a lot of spinach, <laughs> so we do share that in common as well, Popeye and I. <laughs> so maybe with Popeye in our heads. That's right. We'll keep that in mind. 
Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. It really was an honor to be here with you with this. So. Great to be here. I feel honored to be able to meet you and be part of the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So that's it for our conversation today. I know a lot was covered in this episode, from links to books to quotes to images. So we went ahead and compiled all that and put it on our site at reboot.io slash podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can find out about that on our site as well. I'm really grateful that you took the time to listen. If you enjoyed the show and you want to get all the latest episodes as we release them, head over to iTunes and subscribe. And while you're there, it would be great if you could leave us a review, letting us know how the show affected you. So thank you again for listening, and I really look forward to future conversations together. Call